I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. From the Apostrophe Podcast Network. Hey listeners, a quick heads up that today's episode has some sassy language in the form of a couple of F-bombs. They all come from unknown north. Talent driving a pride worth paying for. But just because they're above the 49th parallel, it doesn't mean we shouldn't celebrate them just as well. So give it up to these canucks. Because our self-promotion sucks And if they all went away We sure wouldn't miss them The Canadian star system Hello everyone and welcome back to season two of the Canadian star system Welcome back, especially to all of our season one listeners, but a special hello to new listeners that we might have picked up during the break. We love you all equally. If you are new, this is a podcast where we talk with famous Canadians who have made a splash in our talent pool uh, nationally and internationally, and they in turn introduce us to other Canadian stars on what we like to call the diving board of success, about to jump in and become household names everywhere. But we got there first, so hands off from everyone else. We're just kidding. We want to share them with everyone. With me, as always, someone who is not afraid to get her feet wet in any aspect of this crazy industry of ours, my producer and co-host, Diana Francis. Hi, Diana. Steve, what a pleasure to be back here with you again. I've missed you, my friend, even though I've never really gone away. We talk We're never the in the same room or rarely in the same city, but I know what you mean. It's nice just uh, seeing seeing your face and getting to meet these great Canadian people with you. We're, we're kind of spoiled, people we get to talk to. 
We're very spoiled. And I can't wait for everybody to see all the people, amazing people we've got lined up for season two. I can't wait either. As you know, I should know ahead of time, but it's just as much a surprise. You don't read your emails, so it's a surprise. It's the element of surprise, Diana. I'm always (laughs) pleasantly surprised when anything works. Uh, Let me ask you this question, which is, uh, you know, just totally out of the blue. Did you grow up in the suburbs? I did, yes. I was born in Vancouver, but then I was raised uh, about an hour outside of Vancouver in two different towns. Langley and Maple Ridge. I've heard of both of those. I think yeah. I've been through Langley, yeah. not Maple Ridge. What was your experience? What are the BC suburbs like? I had a bit of a gong show of a childhood, but I do have very fond mo- moments, uh, memories living in the suburbs. You know what I miss that I don't think you see as much anymore? Like when you were a kid and you were riding around on your bike, yep. you knew where the party of kids was because all of the bikes were just like dumped on a lawn. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's where everybody is. They must be at Holly's house because all of the you know bikes were just scattered on a lawn. And I feel like that doesn't happen as much these days. That I feel like the bikes would be instantly stolen because people come along and they think, well, it's on the curb. It must be free. <laughs> See, I think Toronto has sullied you a little bit. I think there are parts of the country <laughs> you can still freely ride your bike and know it'll be there when you when you come out the other side. But uh, that is a good really? that is a good memory. I liked riding bikes when I was little too. And what about you? What do you did you you grew up in the suburbs of London, Ontario? <laughs> no, correct? I don't. London, Ontario is a suburb. Let's be very honest. I grew <laughs> up in the middle of London, but London is really a suburb. Everyone in London either works in Toronto or wants to get to Toronto. Everyone that I knew, anyway. Since I could, I came back to Toronto and I've been a Toronto guy with a Toronto address. So suburban life uh, mystifies me, but I have friends that live in the suburbs. They seem quite happy. They all seem to know their their neighbors uh, very well. And I have the junction neighborhood of Toronto is is like sort of suburban like, except that you, you're still in Toronto. People can tell where you are because you've ditched your bicycle outside of a brewery. <laughs> Yes, there are a lot in of breweries. That's actually a great idea to get together with all the dads <laughs> in my neighborhood and bike from brewery to brewery. You heard it here first. You know, the reason we're talking about this is because our guest knows exactly not only how to live in the burbs, but to run them. He's just had his show launch, Run the Burbs. And not only is he one of Canada's top comedic actors known for Kim's Convenience and the Beaverton, he is a very proud Calgarian who moved his entire family to Toronto into what I assume is a neighborhood that he now fully controls. He's, he's that, he has that much power. You may know him as Andrew Pham, but that couldn't be further from his real name. It's Andrew Fung, everyone. Andrew Fung. Hey, I'm here. Yes. Thank you for having me. So nice to see you. Thank you for taking the time, man. I know that you're really busy. And thank you for giving us a glimpse into... What more and more Canadians are knowing about the sneaks, the sneaker collection behind you. You are a, a giant sneakerhead, and we're going to talk about lots of things and lots of people and different influences. But let me get this question out of the way first. How big a role has the price of sneakers played in your success? Because if you want to get that many sneakers, <laughs> you got to do a lot of things. <laughs> so the interesting thing is that I'm like, comedy used to be my hobby. And what ended up happening was comedy became my job. So sneakers was my hobby. And so what I love about sneakers is like buying, selling and trading and trying to play with like the sneaker stock market. (laughs) So a lot of times with sneakers, like I'll buy a sneaker and I'll put it away for like a year to see what happens to the value. If it pops up, I try to flip it for another pair. And so for me, it's like a constant game. So I, I love the game of it. So 
though it is, it, it looks large. Almost all of them at retail, or I've traded up to this sh- to the shoe, uh, <laughs> which is which is very boring when you say it, but it is something that isn't comedy that I can just focus on the side. Diana's wow. brimming with questions as I am. I just I was gonna ask you, have you ever gotten a pair of shoes and not worn it, and just and you have. You're that you're that guy. I had a buddy in high school who used to buy records and not take them out of the package to try to sell them later down the road, and I thought he was. Uh, that there was something wrong with them. But I, I this seems to be a real, it's a passion, obviously. <laughs> it's a passion, but I wear all the shoes. I also, right. like, it's part of my comedic identity. Like, yeah. I'm always wearing sneakers on stage or when I'm out and about. And and it's you see a lot of sneakers in the show. Yeah. And and so it, it, it for me, is just an expression of myself, but I, I appreciate the sneakers and, and the, the, the hustle behind it, the economy behind it is something I'm, I, I dabble in, but I'm not like, I'm not in the world. I just dabble in it every night. Under what circumstances can somebody get you into a dress shoe? Yeah, any circumstances? Oh, really? easy. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, I wore I wore dress shoes to like every Canadian Screen Awards. Like okay. whenever I wear a suit, I I don't love sneakers and suits. <laughs> like I, I I I like depending on the suit it works or depending on the sneakers. But usually I wear like a nice pair of dress shoes with with my suits. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I thought you were maybe going full Letterman with. Uh, with your suit and sneaker combination. <laughs> That's a good That's reference. That's a player move because it looks like you've just been drafted, right? That's what it looks like when you, <laughs> when you if you wear like a baseball hat and sneakers with a suit, it's like, oh, this this person's been drafted into the, he's making millions a year <laughs> because they're expensive, right? Like I, I, I have not, I don't collect sneakers, but they're, what would you say, is there an average price for a good pair, for a collector pair of sneakers? Wow. So if, if Steve, if you want to get into the I, sneaker market, very clearly I don't, but I want, I'm just curious. I think we could get you into the market for like 120, okay. 130 bucks. Okay. Easy. But if you want to get like a nice yeah. pair of sneakers, if you're buying them at retail, two to 300, but then on the secondary market, it's anywhere from three to $1,000. So it really depends. How, what is the most you've ever paid? And then, then we'll move on. I promise. When I booked the feature film, Little Italy. I went out and spent $2,700 on a, a pair of sneakers. Oh my God. Wow. That was amazing. the most expensive I've ever, ever spent on a pair of sneakers. And it was, it was from little Italy. It just was like, it was a silly move. Uh, but <laughs> that same pair is now $8,000. Oh, so I have wow. no regrets over that purchase. Wow. Did you, have you sold yeah. those sneakers or do you still have them? And you're no, just, I still have them. you're I still, still rolling. You're still yeah. playing the, it, it's like they're your RRSPs. <laughs> but more stable, <laughs> yeah. more stable yeah, exactly. RRSPs. Better return of investment. Registered sneaker <laughs> yeah. purchases. You heard it here first. Suck on that. This is what you have to do when you are in the Canadian entertainment system. This is how you protect your future. Listen, man, it is, it, I, I couldn't be happier for your success. And I wouldn't say that of everyone because so, there's some people I don't like, but you are you're such a an earnest person. We've had you on the debaters a few times is where we've kind of gotten to meet. And having done the research on this, I didn't know that you, uh, I knew you were very Calgary proud. I didn't know you were so focused on working with youth, that you were named to the top 40 under 40 in Calgary for your work with youth. I never thought I would meet a comedian who who has other skills. You could be doing other things. You're just doing this so well. So how how important do you think it is to have other interests? We're sort of talking about sneakers, but especially your work with youth. Can you talk about that? It's trippy you brought that up because like it's like a whole nother life. Right. But when I was chasing a career in comedy, you know, at Loose Moose Theater doing improv, I was a director of a nonprofit organization. And I remember 
I had a really good four or five years with my youth work and I was voted top 40 under 40 and comedy was a footnote right. in the article. Andrew also does <laughs> right. comedy right. at Loose Moose Theater. But the whole article was about like the fundraising yeah. I had done, the programs I had initiated, um, us, us addressing the critical hours, having, we broke the Guinness world record in regards to food donated by youth in an wow. hour. Wow. We broke the record for most volunteer hours for young people in North America, in a city. And, and so I'm so proud of that work. And it really came down to the fact that whatever I did that wasn't comedy, my job, I wanted to actually benefit the world. And so I wanted whatever I did for money to be something that benefited the world. And this was while I was chasing comedy. And, and so I'm so proud of that. And, and even to this day, I have roots to that organization. And so whenever like a nonprofit reaches out and they're like, Hey, like, would you have see this event? Like we can't pay much. And I'm like, don't even talk about that. If, if it's a charity I can get behind, and if I have time, I am there for you. So it's really important for me to, 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 to give back. Well, good for you, man. And it's honestly, it, it blows me away to have done, you know, to see that work that you've done and to know that you are leading the way on that. And it's, so it's not surprising to see you so quickly move up the ranks in Canadian comedy to get your own show and to immediately create a whole culture with the show that you have in the diversity of the cast and the diversity of the writing room and bringing story to the screen or stories that I don't think has ever been on Canadian television before, despite the makeup of, of Canada with the, the makeup of a, of a multicultural uh, suburban neighborhood. And I've, I've gotten a chance to almost catch up entirely on things. Now uh, your, your wife in the show, I was hooked from the point that she got in a street race and specified uh, no breaking speed limit and you have to listen to all the traffic signs. I'm like, this is this. I've never seen this. This is hilarious. This is the slowest street race in history. <laughs> yeah. That was actually a product of production. We couldn't film a real street race. So we, we said, oh, you know what, what gets us around it? Make it a street legal street race. That like was a product of not having enough money to shoot a real street race. And that's the beauty of coming from improv too, right? Because yeah. you don't, any of those things get thrown at you. And as an improviser, your brain just goes, all yeah. right, let's yes and this problem yeah. because, you know, mistakes yeah. are often gifts in improv. Like I love, I love being, I love seeing you coming from improv and uh, like embracing that, that mindset. Really? That's it. Like making a TV show is just yes anding problems over and over again. Like when you are writing a script, you bring it to production. They're like, these are the things you can't do. And it's like, all right, let's yes. And all of this. And, and so whenever we went, whenever feedback was given to us, we always wanted to come back with a better version of the script that took the concerns and took the notes and made them better. But mm -hmm. it, it's, it's really, it's really that. And, and, and so for us, it was like this family, we've seen a family in the burbs, but to see this family is unique. And then what makes this family unique themselves? And then how do we add cultural elements to it? So for us, there's a lot of intention in behind everything we do and I do, I, I do, I, I remember the first episode where it's, where, where we're trying to have a blockbuster party and, and one of, one of, uh, there's an odd comment. Someone commented like, oh, this is just any family. doesn't mean like they're, they're, they're not, there's nothing Asian or Indian about them. And I was like, and therein lies the inherent, what we're trying to accomplish. Right. Like I don't wake up every day and say, I'm Vietnamese, Chinese, <laughs> you're going to know it, everything I do. No, I wake up, I get my kids ready just for school. I take them to school. Is there anything Vietnamese or Chinese in that? Like not specifically, but it's relatable to everybody. 
And then for us, it's exploring the culture as we see the season progress. And so it's seeing this family and how they're so relatable to other families, right? And, and, and for us, it was about finding the relatability in every episode um, and then sprinkling in the culture. And, and that's the fun part, right? But it, it's, it's been interesting putting out this show because having people say, oh, this is so relatable. This is my family. I'm like, that's great. The fact you see yourself in this family, you're of a different culture. That's great because that's where we should be right now. We should be finding relatability in the fact that we're very Canadian. Well said, man. I got to say, the thing that jumped out at me immediately, knowing you and following you on social media, knowing you're such a family man with your two sons at home, how are they taking this fictitious family you've created? Because I can tell you, if I did a show and I had a different kid on TV than my seven-year-old daughter, there would be some serious questions to answer. So how, <laughs> how, how are your real-life kids dealing with your TV kids? I think they had the warm-up with Kim's Convenience. Like, I remember... Yeah. Like they've, they've seen Kim's convenience. So like my kids were on set on Kim. So they'd walk through and they'd walk through the store and be like, this is a fake store, but the food is real. This is real. This is real. This bread is fake because they can't have real bread because of mold. And like they, they got so used to those two worlds or like they'd see me on Kim's with a girlfriend and they'd be like, that's, that's dad, but that's not his real girl. And so it, it's, it, I think they have a, 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 an interesting point of view because they have been able to decipher between the two worlds. But I will say my younger son was watching an episode back. And when my TV son came on, he called my TV son, my real son's name, his brother's interesting. name, because he thought that was him, which is interesting. So, so there is a few blurred right. lines happening. I think it's more so my mom. My mom will call me every week to dissect the episode <laughs> at the end of every conversation. She reminds me, she's like, make sure you tell your wife, Tamara, make sure you tell Tam she's just a, she's pretend wife. Andrew's not really married. He still loves you. And I'm like, yes, mom, my wife understands that that's my TV wife. And I still love my wife. <laughs> like She's struggling with the balance. Based on what I've seen in your social media about your mom, please have your actual mom on the show. I, I don't think anyone needs to play your mom. I'd love to see her for real and just maybe have a break the fourth wall moment where she's like, she tells the cameraman he looks skinny and feeds him or something because I, I can just, <laughs> I see your mom I, in through your words. I know exactly the mom you're talking about. My mom came to set one time for Kim's convenience as she was watching Paul Sun Young Lee work who plays Appa. And then we all love Paul Sun Young Lee, you know, and she came to me, she's like, where is Paul looking at his lines? And I said, what, what do you mean? She's like, there's no prompter or cue cards. And I said, oh, no, mom, he knows all of his lines. And she stopped and she's like, wait, you know all the words you say? And I'm like, yeah, she was rocked by it. She, I think her level of respect for me went up 10 points because she's, she's like, I thought you just read off a card. I'm like, no, mom, I know all my lines, every scene. So I did offer her a role in Run the Burbs. And she was like, I cannot do Why? it. I think the idea of learning the lines was okay. too stressful for her. But the people we cast as my parents are incredible. It's an, in a later episode. There, I have a side-by-side -side photo of them and my parents. We found an actual Vietnamese couple married who look like <laughs> my parents, sound like my parents. It's glorious. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Did your parents, because I know, uh, I, I know it, culturally it's often, you know, Supporting kids going into the arts is always is not always the sort of first choice, especially for first generation 
parents. How were your parents with you getting into the arts? And really to explain that, it's like every, if your parents are immigrants or in, in any way, they want you to be doctors, lawyers, they want you to have a safe, stable job because they don't want you to be a poor, starving artist. Mm-hmm. Because most likely from whatever country they're from or they were raised in, artists were poor and starving. And so my parents, I included them in on the journey where I did improv and comedy was like a side thing. They were like, oh, he's staying out of trouble. He's having fun. He, I was doing well in school. I went to university for a degree in business and economics. I was working at the leisure center near my house. They were totally cool with it. Then I would start inviting my parents to shows. And they're coming to improv shows when I'm like 19, 20, 21. And by this point, I've gotten okay. I've gotten pretty good at improv. So I'm developing a little bit of a following. So they're coming to sold out shows. And I would always introduce my parents to the crowd and I would interview them and do scenes based on their life. And it's because I included them in on the journey that made them my biggest fans. Mm. They looked forward to coming to my shows because they're like, we're going to see Andrew perform. Everyone loves him. And so when I was ready to quit my job and to pursue the arts, they were like my biggest fans to the point where they walk around Air Canada flights and they tell people on the plane (laughs) that their son is in Kim's Convenience and whether or not they have seen Kim's Convenience. And I kid you not, one time my father told me this, my mom sat down in the chair beside a man and watched him watch an episode of Kim's. That's how dedicated she is to being my fan. Because Kim's Convenience plays on uh, Air Canada and WestJet, by the way. I always find WestJet. And it's on both. Yes. Oh my God. That is glorious. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's wild. That's the kind of parental support you need. Now, if if you're wondering what the other side of that is, Andrew, (laughs) I did a, uh, a televised special a long time ago, comedy special, full hour, just me. Brought my parents in, put them up at a hotel. They came from Sarnia, Ontario, put them up at a hotel in Toronto. My dad was in the audience, left without saying anything to me after the show, and then called me the next day on his way home, and he said, your diction's really improved. That's what he said about the show that I just did. And then he watched it on TV, and he said, that show you did, I just saw on TV. When did you do that? I said, Dad, you were at it. I brought you to Toronto to see it. <laughs> and he said, no, I wasn't at that show. There was a good show you did there. So we're really playing with race stereotypes right now because the stereotype would be Asian parents are really cold right. and unsupportive right. and white parents would be like really there for That's their right. kid. You, I think we've really we flipped, flipped it around, the stereotype buddy. on yeah. this one. And Irish, Irish parents, yeah. I think, are notoriously, he would have been happy if I ran a pub, to be totally honest with you. But let, <laughs> let's talk a little bit. If we can, don't want to delve into it because it's onwards and upwards. You got run the burbs. You're right in the middle of it now. And we hope for a, a long, successful run for it. Kim's convenience was this, was this, uh, I don't even know, a, a lightning rod, right? It came sort of right just after Schitt's Creek got that stir going in, in international with international distribution on all the Emmy talk and the Emmy wins. And then Kim's convenience, people immediately said, hey, while we got your attention, you got to watch Kim's convenience and it was getting its attention on its own but i'm talking about internationally became this this huge juggernaut Mm -hmm. is the word i was looking for and then sort of suddenly it was it came to an end and there was controversy over the end of it i know we can't get really into the into the deepness of it but it really says something when someone like simu who's gone on to amazing success had some really harsh things to say not about not about the people on the show 
and the actors, etc., because he loved it. He wanted to do more and he just got disappointed by the process. Do you consider it the end of it, the abrupt ending of it? Do you consider that a, a down point, a failure, or just something that the end is the end? Let's move on to, uh, to other things. That's a really great segue into it. And what I'll say is that I loved making the show. I loved working with Simu. Paul, Gene, Nicole, Andrea, like there was so much joy. Like when we were making the show, we felt like, are we really doing this? Like, are we here? Right. Is this happening to us? But really for me, it is a lesson in missed opportunities. And it's a, it's a lesson in, in, in how we need to change elements of our industry. And Simu and Gene had a lot of criticisms and so did Paul. And, and those are their experiences. And for me, um, I share some of their criticisms and their concerns. And here's the really, the really cool thing that happened as it was coming out, as all the Kim's fallout was happening, because run the burbs was ordered to run alongside Kim's convenience, whether same night, but say it, was, it was supposed to run at the same time. So the schedule had me shooting both shows back to back hmm. or overlapping the show, which was scary to me. The idea that I was going to shoot both shows, but as it happened. I was making run, I was getting ready to run, to, to make run the burbs. And so listening to Simu, listening to Gene, listening to Paul and having my frustrations, I was able to bring all of those things because the greatest thing I can do coming out of Kim's is to say, all right, here are the things that did not happen or could have been better. Well, let's bring that over to run the burbs and make sure we get those things right. And so the biggest thing that came out of Kim's with Simu's frustration was that the performers weren't included in the process. We were really shut out of the room. So I agreed. I wish I had a more, more say and more opportunities mm. and run the burbs. I'm the star. I'm in the writer's room. I'm the executive producer. Mm. Oh, we cast Rocky Mazaria, who was in the writer's room for development and the first round of writing. Oh, we cast Julie Nolke, who was in the development room and the first round of writing. And so by including them in the process and then including our directors. And I'm so proud that we had three directors of color. We had a supervising director who oversaw the entire production being a female director of color. And so to give prominent roles to the BIPOC creators so that so they could have a skin in the game made the whole process so much more collaborative and joyful. And we also brought on cultural consultants a South Asian cultural consultant and a Vietnamese cultural consultant who could work on the show with us. So I loved everything about Kim's. I take it as an opportunity to learn and to get better. And that that's really what it is because I don't want to diminish what Kim's did. Kim's is groundbreaking for being on TV and what Inns Choi did. And really it's, it's more of a lesson of maybe some of the things Inns had to fight or put up with. And so I've been put in a position where I can learn from what Inns had to struggle with and make it better. So that's the way I look at the whole fallout from Kim's. And I sincerely hope that there's a day we can revisit the show because I think through all the pain and through all of the frustrations are these characters that audiences love. And I think it'll mean a lot for us to be able to come back and visit them. It's such a testament to your, how you live your life being as positive as you are, that yeah. you can, you can find the positive in that situation. I'm often curious what it's like was this your first time on the other side of the the fence, yeah, so to speak, first as time. A, being on the production First side? time in a writer's room, first time executive producer, yeah. first time any of these things. So it was new and wild. So I really relied on having some 
some key people around me to, to, to help me along the way. What do you think the biggest thing that you've learned going from being the actor on one side of the fence and not really seeing behind the curtain always of what goes into producing? As an actor who then became a producer, my whole perspective shifted on what it takes to get to a point where, an, where everything can stop for an actor to say their lines. And it gave me a whole other appreciation for that other side. Uh, so I'm curious to know, like, what was the biggest thing that you sort of took away from being on the other side of that? You know, it, that's, a, that's a great question. I, I'm not really sure. Sh- like, I, I think I'm still processing it. But for me, my co-creator, Scott Town and I, who's my best friend from, from Alberta, we made short films together, just trusting that we, we, trusting our vision in the show and what we wanted out of the show, trusting one another, really supporting one another was like a big learning and then the other side was like really like listening and being collaborative as, as much as possible. And that involves like trusting others who are really great directors and performers and with Raki having trusting her because she was involved in development of the show. And as she's creating the character of my wife, it's like for her to be like, Andrew, I don't know if this is Camille anymore. It's like, all right, Raki, what's Camille? Like, we're just talking it through. So letting others have a say, mm-hmm. letting others be involved, but then also making decisions when you need to make decisions. And recognizing when that was the case, recognizing when you needed to lead was really important. And I'm really proud that our crew felt that way. Like, I'm really proud the feedback from the crew we've been hearing is that it was so great when Andrew and Scott led the team, um, when Alicia was a part of the whole process, Alicia Young, who directed Baroness, Working Moms, Kim's Convenience, the new Kids in the Hall series. Mm-hmm. Like, she's incredible and having her involved in all the decision making as well, but so I think, I think really it was like, trust who you are, trust your, stick to your guns, but also listen to others, allow them to be part of it. And, and really that is the learning of Kim's the learning of Kim's was like, there was a lot of, a lot of things were held so tightly that we weren't allowed to be a part of it. And it, it's a shame because you see Simu, Marvel superhero, you see Paul, he, he's in the Mandalorian, Boba Fett, the last airbender, Nicole Power, who's leading her own series now with Strays. So it, it, we all had something to give and we wanted to give it. And so with my show, I want to take every, I want to give you every opportunity to, to, for you to give to the show. You know, we've got a, there's a Calgary connection. Diana's in Calgary right now. We've had Bruce McCullough on the show before and uh, Griffin Cork from Calgary, who does a lot of great things. Griffin Cork. I taught that kid's improv. It's It's such a, it seems like such a tight knit community. If you don't mind sharing what you love so much about Calgary, because you're the first person that I've seen. You're not the first person I've seen about Calgary, but you, you've just, you used every ounce of that for what it could be going through the loose moose, going through the improv situation. And you're always pushing Calgary and, and, uh, and say, having nothing but great things to say about it. So what, what is it about Calgary that, that maybe some people don't know that you can tell them? So loose moose theater is such a big part of Calgary. And what Calgary, what's great about Calgary is that no one's trying to make it. Like no one, no one joins theater in Calgary to try to be a star. Whereas in Toronto, (laughs) like if you go to a second city class, like people are doing comedy class in second city and they don't want to do comedy. They just do it to have it on their resume because they're trying to be a star. And I'm not knocking those people, but I'm saying in Calgary, you got people doing improv comedy that like, they're just like, they just want something fun to do. Like they have no, there's, 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 there's people that just like wanted to try something. They want to get out of the house. I remember Hmm. one one woman who's excellent, an excellent improviser. She's like, I just want to get away with my kids. You know, like, I don't want to see my kids anymore. So this was a really fun thing to do on a Friday night. And I was like, oh, you're amazing. And so there's this mentality in Calgary that no one's trying to make it. 
But because of that, because of that, like removal of the, of the, of the safety net of, of pressure, the pressure trying to have the razzle dazzle of big shows, you're just willing to fail. You're just willing to suck a bunch and get better at it. And, and because of that, it allowed me to be a better performer. It allowed Bruce McCullough, you know, who, who attributes Loose Moose Theater to a big part of his career. And Griffin Cork, I taught, his mom taught me improv. Karen, Johnson, Karen Diamond Johnson was, taught me musical theater improv. I taught him improv at Central Memorial High School, and it bonds us. I was on, I did, I did a one episode on Young Drunk Punk. I had met Bruce McCullough one time at the Loose Moose Theater's 25th anniversary. He, I, I met him shaking his hand for two minutes. Hmm. He came on set. He's like, you know, he was, in a, he was like in a mood. He was like looking at scripts. He might've been a bit frustrated. He sees me and he says, he stops. He looks at me. He's like, Andrew, how are you? And gives me this big hug and walks away. And an AD looked at me and said, who the fuck are you? Like, who are you that made Bruce McCullough stop in his tracks to give you a hug? And there's a Calgary bond because like we, we've come from the same place. We've, we've, we've fought the same battles. We, we are there because we love it. And I'm so happy now that, that the stigma around Calgary is changing, that there are now artists who can have some level of success being from Calgary and that we're seeing Jan and, 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 and I'm so proud that you can be considered that person who is repping the city. So there's a bond that Calgary brings. And I, it is a tight knit community. So thank you for saying that way. And I think that's a great answer that people, you know, if you're taking the first improv class of your life, you know, good for you. Do it for the experience. Don't think that improv now owes you a path to success because it, it doesn't. You've got to make it on your own, which you have. I will say this as we wind up and, and get to your guest because she's been very patiently waiting. Oops, I just said she. I should have kept the mystery alive. You got, you know, you've gone and you've gone immediately. It was almost simultaneous to running your own show from this amazing show you're already on, Kim's Convenience, which would be more than enough to most Canadians. And then th there's something about that cast. We've mentioned it now. Simu is a legitimate Marvel Universe superhero. He's a superhero on the big screen and is going to be in that universe for, for years to come. Paul, I see him show up in The Mandalorian, as you say, Last Airbender. He is in the Star Wars otherworldly universe. Do you guys contact each other and do they diss you a little bit? They're like, oh, that's nice. You've got your own show. We're an, I'm a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? It's quite the opposite. It's so nice. I remember when the show was premiering, Simu texted me. He's like, I'm so proud of you, brother. How do I see the show? How can I support it? We just talked and, and we, I talked and we just talked about what I had to do to get the show made and the things I was doing. And, and we talked about our frustrations and, and, and things we're doing to, to, to make the industry better. So him and I have been through a lot and Paul literally lives down the street from me. His no, wife was great. over at my house this week. We're talking every few days. There's a brotherhood there where we razz each other, but we're also so proud of each other. And so I think we're all, we all got to do what we wanted to do. Simu wanted to be a superhero. <laughs> He's getting to do that. That's incredible. Paul is a, is a nerd at his, at his core. He lives it. He embodies it. I think anyone who is a Star Wars fan or is a, a, a geek looks up at Paul and says, that's our guy. <laughs> and for me, with improv and telling stories, I've always wanted to be able to tell my story and to inspire more generations. And that was reflected in my, in my nonprofit work. And so with Run the Burbs, I'm able to do that. So we're all getting to do what we wanted to do. 
And it's so wild to me that all of us came from the same yeah. show. You know, all of us were brought together in the world. Yeah. And, and that's why I look at Kim's with a lot of love. And I'm reminding people like, you know, the things that happen at the end, that's something we'll improve. That's something we'll work on. But watch the show with love because we had love making it. But yeah, it's it's so much fun. And I can't wait to see all those guys. Like whenever, whenever we're in the same city, I just can't wait to see them. Andrew, you're the second most positive person we've ever had in the show. We had Fred Penner. Who, uh, as you know, can turn can turn anything into a into a children's song, and it, he was actually so yeah. positive it pissed me off. And you're borderline that for me. You're you're you have the energy that's like he can't really be this positive, but you are, and it is a breath of fresh air to take it in and talk to you, my friend. So thank you, thank you for all that. We'll be right back after the break. Hey listeners, in season one of the show, this is where we would drop in a funny fake advertisement based on something said by our guest in the first part of the interview. We loved writing those mock ads about Jack Layton's waterbed mattress from the Rick Mercer episode or the keep it clean with Sarah Sleen cleaning supplies from the Sarah Sleen episode. But this season, we want to do something a little different. During the commercial break for each episode, Steve and I will shine a mini spotlight on a person or organization that we are super jazzed about. It's our podcast, so we're doing what we want. Let me start. This episode, in honor of Andrew's hometown, I'd like to shine a spotlight on a community garden in Calgary called The Possible Garden. Located at the corner of 25th Avenue and 1st Street Southwest in the Mission community of downtown Calgary, this lot once occupied a five-plex built in 1912. But during the flood of 2013 in Calgary, the building was severely damaged and needed to be torn down. And since then, the corner lot has been lovingly nicknamed the dirt. But in 2020, the space was transformed from the dirt to the gorgeous possible garden, which houses over 20 vegetable and plant beds, with specific beds being dedicated to growing food that's donated to charities and food banks at the end of each season. Well, the possible garden project is gearing up for a new summer of planting and is raising funds that will go directly towards operating the garden, with a portion also going towards supporting local charities. If you'd like to donate, check out the link in our show notes or just search Possible Garden on the GoFundMe site. Because wouldn't you rather look at a gorgeous garden than a pile of dirt? I know I would, if I was in Calgary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And now back to the show. We're going to move on to a section now called Quick Questions. Quick Questions! And you just provide real quick answers, if you would, sir. Just off the top of your head. So here's that improv background. right Coming right up. Okay. What's your favorite part about being a Canadian entertainer? I think my favorite part about being a Canadian entertainer is the jokes we can make at our, at our own expenses about being in the Canadian <laughs> entertainment sector. Like, I love whenever I'm at Costco or something like that. They're like, oh, like, what are you doing here? And I'm like... Andrew Fung's got to eat. <laughs> like, I just love being able to make fun of our industry and making fun of, like, I've made dozens of dollars doing improv. Like, I just love to just to, like, just to, like, enjoy those jokes at our expense. It is a nice bond to share, usually in lieu of any actual success. But you've got that. You've got that, too. <laughs> you mentioned in a recent tweet you used to work at Bootlegger in the mall for a while and you uh, you gave money back for a shirt that someone had clearly soiled. Was that the worst job you've ever had or what is the worst job you've ever had? Oh, that that that's a that's a tough one. <laughs> is, is, there's a lot of candidates, are there? No, I, I really enjoyed that job at Bootlegger because I there's something about working in the mall because like I'm from the Empire Records generation. So like working at like the mall, the music store was so cool. I will say the 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 worst job I ever had was I was working um concession for the 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 Calgary Stampede. And that mm. job wasn't the worst. It wasn't like that that portion. No, no. Stop. I, I, I retracted. Okay. He found the worst. I found the worst. It was at the gap. Okay. Because there was, I worked at the gap for two weeks and the gap does this thing where like over a weekend, they make you work from like 9 PM to 4 AM to restock the store. Ugh. And they just made it seem like this is the most fun. Like you're going to love it. <laughs> And like the first time I did it, I was like, this is the worst. Like, why are we doing this? And so that was the worst job. I love working retail, but just the idea that they're trying to hype up me working 9 p.m. to 4 a.m. And when the mall's all not those open. things, the mall's not open. It's not fun if the mall's no. not open. It's not open. And then it's all it was all clicky. And I think this is what made it worse. All the all the people hung out in one section of the store and they made me go work alone in another section. So I was working from 9 p.m. <laughs> It's a by 3 yourself. or 4 a.m. by myself. Oh, they created a literal that's, gap. <laughs> they, <laughs> that's, why, that's why we call it oh. the gap, y'all. 
You gotta, Aww. you gotta earn your yeah. way into the gap. Oh, yeah. I love that story. Yeah. Let's let's do this. Uh, let's end this on a nice high note because, in addition to all the sneakers in your room, you got a lot of wrestling belts behind you, my friend. And I can't go into the full story of that, which we should have touched on in the interview. If you made the now the transition to pro wrestling, what would your pro wrestling name be? My pro wrestling name would be Trance Tran. Trance Tran. <laughs> I would because I want to I want to give a nod to my Vietnamese heritage, but Love Trance it. Tran is a raver character. He's really into raves and electronic music. So he's got a lot of like bright clothing, glow sticks. He's coming out to a sick beat. And when he's in the ring, he's feeling the beat. And when he feels the beat, the crowd is stomping on the ground. He's feeling the beat and he just drops you with the hit. Uh, so Trance Tran Fun fact, Trance Tran was the backyard wrestling character I had in high school. Oh, there was nice. a videotape somewhere where I, I am Trance Tran and we are breaking wood we found in the alleyway in my friend Derek's backyard. Amazing. <laughs> that sounds like an upcoming episode to me. I don't know how it's going to fit in, but I think it should be. I will say there's a spoiler alert there. There, there is a is. reference to Trance Tran in the season. There yeah. it is. I have. Uh, I, I didn't it. know yeah. that. It's Sound like I was feeding you that one, but I wasn't. I really was curious. The last two are fill in the blanks, and then we'll bring in your other guest who's been so patient. Fill in the blanks, if you would, for me, please, Andrew. The Canadian star system is... Is growing. It's growing. My follow-up is that it's, I think it's like, now more than ever, we, 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 are, we, are, we are supporting our stars more, and, and we're starting to see some familiar faces that we can say whoa that is a canadian celebrity born and raised built in this country well said and living next door to the united states is like oh living next door to the united states is like living next door to that one person in high school that like you didn't really like but like they were sometimes really cool but they had like some questionable beliefs that you tried to ignore but they also hosted really good parties and they had good food <laughs> so you wanted to be invited to them every now and then so you just want to keep your distance close enough that you were friends, but distant enough that you weren't best friends. <laughs> that is definitely the longest answer we've had. And it covered a lot of angles. Thank you so much, Andrew. I know you're going to stay with us, but we're, uh, we're going to give you the uh, opportunity now to please introduce who you've brought us today. When working on run the burbs, we looked at so many actresses to play various roles on the show. And when we were looking for an actress to play my sister, I met this next person. She immediately blew me away, immediately blew me away at how talented she was as an actress and as a performer, finding the heart of this character. But as I learned more about her, I found out that she is like a triple threat. She can act, she can sing, she can dance. And genuinely hanging out with her makes me feel like I'm hanging out with the sister I never had. So please welcome Kimmy Trunk. Yay. Oh, wow. listen to that. Hi, Hi Kimmy. Aww. Thank you so much. Was that, how, what is that? What's that intro like? <laughs> Have you ever heard that before? She's clearly verklempt. Oh. She enjoyed that, Andrew. So sweet. Andrew's always been just so, just the best. Honestly, like a bro. We've been like true siblings since the beginning. <laughs> it's awesome. But I still am just always so shocked at the words he says to me and how he feels. And how, a lot. how far back do you guys go? Have you guys worked on, on stage shows together? Or? Oh, no. This no. is it. 
Oh, this, this is, is it. it. You guys met at the beginning of this podcast? <laughs> yeah, something. Just now. Um, <laughs> it was all CGI. Um, <laughs> no, he, we met at our first uh, like Zoom call that Andrew had me come on to audition for the role of Carol, which was Denise. Um, yeah, we met on Zoom and just had like an awesome time together chatting and also just running lines and everything. And it felt just felt right, you know, when you, you know, when you know. <laughs> and but you yes, had been yeah. on, uh, you had done an episode of Kim's as well, though, hadn't you, Kimmy? <laughs> I had. But you didn't Kim's. cross paths? No, hmm. Andrew wasn't on uh, that day, or at least the part of the day that I was, I was only there for uh, the morning session because I was in one scene with Paul and a couple other actors uh, playing one of Andrea's friends. And yeah, that was my... First day ever on a set. Wow. Really? Yeah. (laughs) And having come from so much stage experience, what was that transition like? Like what was going through your brain? Were you just trying to fake it till you make it? Or did you, were you like, no, it's okay. This is a really easy transition to make. I was definitely faking it till I made it. (laughs) In terms of the terminology, like on set, I (laughs) did the whole like, Google, um, like actors terminology on set, and they um, actra actra put me through like these courses that I have to that I had to go through and test through. Which Andrew, I don't know if you had to do, but I asked a lot of my actor friends, and they were like, "Girl, what? We did not do that." I was like, "No, guys, I had to do twelve courses through actra." What? what? I've never. This heard doesn't of that. sound right. This is this and Andrew is just were, as shocked as the rest of yeah, us. Wait, were, was it really Actra were, or was it some guy named Actra who was just trying to get money? Was there a black couch in no, the room? For real, it was online and it's a full course that Actra like I had to do and it was mandatory. Well, but then I was like to. Yeah, but then I was like, wait, but I'm already on sets doing the thing apparently it's not mandatory because no. you're not taking me off set but i didn't finish every single i think there's still a couple tests i have to do but i learned like <laughs> oh we are turning you in we're taking away your card i know actually i hope someone from actress like listening to this and is like oh yeah we didn't tell her she didn't have to <laughs> or like really pissed at me um but no i i like called a couple of friends that have done a lot of tv and i was like what do i have to know and i got the basics down but it was really a wonderful day i really loved that set i loved being on kim's and the whole team was amazing i actually peter was directing that episode as well as the episode i did with andrew on run the burbs so uh that was incredible he's an amazing director and actually innis choice was there and he came up to me and was like so where have you been like <laughs> Who are oh, you? Good. We saw your tape and it was an immediate, yeah, like, what the hell? And I was like, yeah, about that. This is my first day. And he was like, excuse me. He was like, yeah, did you finish the 12 courses? Because it's mandatory. <laughs> and then I started crying and that was it. No, <laughs> no, but I had an amazing time. The thing about this industry and, and this, um, you know, like, being on film and TV is that I really feel like I can just be myself, which... I love theater because I get to be all these different characters, but what makes me love it and why I love being on this show and working with Andrew and stuff is that I'm literally just being me and being as authentic as I can because that's what we're trying to do, especially with Run the Burbs, is just show the world that our faces, we, like, normalizing us. 
normalizing who we are. So I love I love this medium and I, I love being on the show. Yeah. And we should we should just uh, back up a little bit for the sake of uh, background for everyone who's now going to go uh, immediately. Uh, anyone who <laughs> might not have been familiar and look you up and be like, what's going on? Sorry, she couldn't do TV for you, Canada. She's been too busy on Broadway and in Stratford Productions. Okay, back off. <laughs> Tell us what uh, about your Broadway experience, if you would. Yeah, I was on Broadway uh, doing Miss Saigon, actually, which is really crazy. My whole career has been so serendipitous in the way that I've gotten to play roles that I just never thought I would. Honestly, because I'm a Vietnamese woman throughout school, throughout my life, I was always trying to be other, something else. And then one of my first things out of school in theater was Miss Saigon. And I was like, what do you mean I'm playing a Vietnamese woman? <laughs> and then, you know, things I've done on TV, it's just like, be you. And now Andrew, like Andrew's show, he's, I was like, what do you mean he's making a show about a Vietnamese? <laughs> like I freaked out when I was sent the script. I was like, what's happening here? Do I just record me like speaking Vietnamese and telling him my backstory? And like, I was just like, how do, how is this happening? So yeah, I, I was on Broadway for Miss Saigon. I spent, wow. um, I had an amazing year there just in terms of like the dream that everyone has when they get to theater. We did the Tonys. We did a bunch of like shows on t on TV and appearances. And I got to sing like at Broadway cabarets and I got to like live my jazz singer dreams as well. Like after <laughs> shows, I would, I would go to different cabarets and jazz clubs and stuff. And it was just an awesome year for me. Yeah. Now, just so we're clear, there's not a lot of jazz singing in Miss Saigon, right? No, there's not. <laughs> You're like after I mean, shows. Like, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, there's like those, you know, those those certain scenes that are more in that style. But no, that's just like a love of mine. I I like to do a lot of things, and jazz singing is one of them. Let me ask you this quick: Once you've gone. So big with acting, you're on a Broadway stage, you're in a massive show, and then you're doing musicals. Is it tough to play smaller as you're talking about uh, and just being yourself on on uh, on like an episodic show? I thought that that was going to be a huge struggle for me because people often tell theater actors, <laughs> you can't do TV because right. of the style of acting. And then I went in with the response, well, honesty is honesty. Authenticity is authenticity. I get hired for theater because people see that rawness, that realness in me. Sure, there's a lot of skills and training and styles you can learn. But that's just all part of learning, like being in this industry. So TV, I did let that hinder me at the beginning. I think when I started, I was just so like, everyone says to not do anything. And <laughs> talk like this and to not move your face and I got banged because I was scared that my like I have a very animated personality and face so I fully got full bangs because I was like I need to cover my eyebrows and my forehead so that they don't see me like <laughs> acting oh my god I did all the things I tried to do all these tapes like and not moving my face at all and then I was like what the heck <laughs> so I was like yo let's just be real like people like you because you're you and that's when things started happening and that's actually Kim's like that's what Innes said he was like you were just so like 
a person, a human, like so real. We had to have you. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> but it is a it's a weird, yeah, sort of stereotypical thing that people are like theater actors can't go into this world. When you look into your favorite movie actors of all time, they all started doing Shakespeare and theater and stuff. So I don't know. I think you just got to be real. And we should I should mention as well that Ince, when we mention it, in case anyone doesn't know, is the is the creator of Kim's Convenience started it as a as a play, I believe, as a fringe show, if I have that correct. And then and then it took some time for to to get caught on. And I know that Ince saw Andrew performing his own fringe show and basically had the idea to cast him based on that. So you two shared that experience with with Ince and is there anything you I don't know that he's listening right now. He's not <laughs> listening right now because he's not recording this. But what would you say to someone like that who's who's blazed such a trail uh, that you are now helping blaze as well? I'd say thank you. you know, and, yeah. and 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 I, I'm trying to always pay it forward. Like the way Inns would just go to festivals, just watch Asian talent and keep like a Rolodex. And when he said to you, Kimmy, where have you been? He said that to me the first night he met me. He I came out and he's like, where have you been? And I'm like. Oh, improv. Like I don't audition for TV and film. And, and so that's when things change for me. And so I, I think, I think as much as we want to see representation in television and film, we need to encourage others in our community to step forward and be a part of that. Because there's often this mentality when you're from a diverse background that you got to find your own niche and you got to go to your own place. And, and so until someone maybe nudges you or you see someone else there, you're not sure if that's quite it. And I'm really excited that on this show, they're going to see four Vietnamese actors and performers play a family, be part of a family. And hopefully that will inspire more people, more and more Vietnamese people to get it. Because like us casting was like, so we found Kimmy did not audition to play my sister. So she had auditioned for another role in the show. I remember watching her tape back and be like, oh, she's really good. All right, let's take this note. And I saw her last name that I'm like, wait a second. I bet you she's Vietnamese. And I think that might be listed on your mm-hmm. skills. There's like a breakdown of skills. <laughs> skills, Vietnamese. <laughs> <laughs> speaks Vietnamese. Speaks Vietnamese. But Vietnamese should also be a skill. <laughs> <laughs> My one special skill is that I am Vietnamese. Yeah, you're a Vietnamese. <laughs> but like the, 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 original, the original call for auditions, there were three actresses that auditioned for the role of my sister. Whereas if I put up a role for you know, other characters, you get like 200 submissions. Right. Here it was three. Mm-hmm. And so we brought back those three and we brought in Kimmy and immediately sitting down with Kimmy, not even, not even seeing you act. I was like, nah, she's my sister. Just the fact that we can <laughs> sit it. and talk like this. She's my sister. I love um, it. And I didn't know she was on Kim's convenience. I did not, I didn't clue it together. And I remember the day we posted a picture of you for run the burb. Someone's like, Hey, she was on Kim's convenience and I sat back and I was like, she was on Kim's convenience. I didn't. And, 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 and it, it, it's the joke was because Kimmy's younger than me. And so I think Kimmy's like, I, I don't know if I could play your older sister, but in my mind, the joke is that my aunts look like they could be 21 or 62. Like, I don't know how old they are. And so we used to play this joke that my sister was like this age that we weren't ever going to define. <laughs> I immediately knew you were going to be my sister. You're so talented right away. I love the episode. Uh, in episode three, you you appear, Kimmy. And I hope, I, I trust that this is coming back because I, I haven't seen episode four, but I'm going to watch it tonight. But I trust she's coming back. And what I really want to know is since you've got such a, a triple threat, 
are you going to take advantage of her singing chops? <laughs> yeah. How? But yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Ah. So. Ah. So uh, we're doing we have... a lot of spoilers, but unfortunately, with the time. Well, lagging... I, 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 I can't say we're going to take advantage of them this season. I see. Okay. But I do know Whoa. for us, like having now my sister and my parents in the world, it immediately opened us up to more ideas going forward. So as we hopefully, fingers crossed, make more seasons of the show, once we establish these characters, and that's it. Like the first seasons are so interesting because, like, you go back and watch the first seasons of Shits and Kim's. There's some things that work. <laughs> two different some shows, things, by the way. The show is yeah, not called Shits, Shits and, and Kim's. Shits and Kim's. Shits and Kim's. <laughs> it's going to be a crossover event you'll never forget. Yeah. <laughs> but like if you watch the first season back of any of any show things work and things don't work but uh my sister carol and my parents are things that definitely mm-hmm. work because it's honest to andrew so i'm just so excited to see that this is like like we're gonna see fun aunt carol show up oh and that's the thing like <laughs> K- kimmy you're saying you're saying you never thought you'd be able to play this you now have the potential to play that cool aunt who rolls in what's she gonna do next time she comes into the fam's world and that makes me so happy because we got to see that on television shows we got to see that with full house and we got to see that with family matters now we get to see it with run the burbs that makes me so happy it must be so fun as the creator too when you're casting these roles and then you meet the actors who are playing them and you find out the things that they can bring to it and how again that yes and mine goes "Ooh, let's let's bring these elements of like that the skills that the actual person has into the character and how that can inspire future episodes and story arcs that's must be so fun it, it's so much it's so much fun and these first four episodes are interesting because we were just getting a sense of who is who like th- to not take it away from all, how talented kimmy is but we also have like aurora brown mm-hmm. we have jonathan langdon mm-hmm. chris Locke. We have just a rich Ali Hassan, mm-hmm. just the riches of talent. And so we're <laughs> Al, just really Ali just... plays your father-in-law, by the way. And that's playing pretty fast and loose with chronology as well. Because <laughs> he can't be that much older than you. I love it. I love it. But you want to be on my show? You're my dad. <laughs> um, Kimmy, Kimmy, let's get back to you because we've sort of, we've we've gone, and I can absolutely see the the fun Kimmy's trying to get out right through the microphone here um what, <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> in, in addition in addition to uh your stage experience and now your film and tv experience i understand you do quite a bit of animation work as well is that true yeah so that also came out of having more time because of covid and theaters you know not being able to be at full capacity. i dove into capacity something capacity for those who don't know short things. <laughs> <laughs> hey, cool Auntie Carol, all right? Um, <laughs> um, it's another thing out of the, and like the list goes on and on with stuff that I want to do and I'm going to do them all. So animation was one of them, again, because of this animated personality. I've always been told I'm like a cartoon. So I was like, well, why don't I play cartoons? <laughs> and I do. So I, I'm playing uh, in two series. I Wow. Play MK in Total Drama Island, and I'm Posey the Pony in My Little Pony. <laughs> no way! Amazing. No way! My daughters yeah. watched. That. You're I'm a gonna, pony. I'm a pony. <laughs> I'm gonna come out of this room, tell my daughters I just talked to Posey the Pony, and they're gonna be like, "Screw you! You did not. How is that possible?" Yeah. Thank it's you so for much upping fun. my cred immediately, Kimmy. Oh my gosh! Thank you. Of all of those pieces to the uh, the entertainment uh, pie, as it were, do you have any favorites? Do you like? 
Do you like some above all? Do you, do you miss the live audiences or is it just as fun to be doing voice work and, and film work? I really love being on set and I love doing the voiceover. It's, it's really, um, I like to work just like both feet in, dive in, let's go fast. Let's just put something together. Let's, let's really commit to the bit. So with, <laughs> I found that with TV and film and uh, voiceover work, it's really fast paced. And I like working like that. I like being able to create something quickly and put it out without overthinking and taking the months that sometimes you take in theater to really get somewhere. And then, you know, I, I obviously like to think that it's magical every night, but uh, live theater will always be my life. I think I'll try to go back and forth. But right now, I'm really, really into being on cam. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a cool, like, world. To, I think I just like learning, too. So so there's a, if there's another 12-session course that actor yeah, puts absolutely. out, you're like, I'm in. I'll do it. Oh, totally. I mean, I've been, because of everything that's been going on the last couple of years, I'm just taking I'm like why would I just do one thing when I can do 100 things so I'm doing this I'm also now getting into stunts like I'm training what? in stunts and martial arts and um, I also oh, Andrew's, yeah. Yeah. Andrew's and getting more ideas for season two <laughs> because I grew like I mean Andrew knows I, I told him and you can see it in the show actually it's a it's a cultural thing but I have three older brothers and a dad and they are all martial artists like they're no doing way. black belts. Like, my are they advanced? Are they advanced? Oh, like, are yeah. they black belts? Oh, oh yeah. my God. Like, I feel really bad for anyone who wants to date me. They're always like, oh, yes. God. I going to say, <laughs> welcome to the yeah. most protected girl in the universe. <laughs> Honestly, the only girl of four kids who's an artist. Like, And I grew up in that world. I grew up wrestling. I grew up learning martial arts. I learned, I, I, I wanted to be an actor because I want to be in action movies. And so I was like, well, now that I'm in the world, like, why don't I just take this opportunity and do everything I want? Oh, um, I really hope that you become a superhero because I would love it if Andrew's <laughs> yes. got like the superhero touch where everybody he works with in some way ends yeah. up in the Marvel ends Universe. Ends up a superhero. A Star Wars. Imagine. His, his superpower is turning others into superheroes. I love superheroes. it. I love no. it. Trans, trans. Trans, trans. That's amazing. That's no, his but, superpower. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that great? I thing. love that. <laughs> turning other people into superheroes. Diana, do you have other questions? I can always tell when you're thinking. I would love to know a little bit. I know in 2021, uh, I'm I, okay. I'm a Toronto girl now, but I really don't feel like I've had the full Toronto experience because I've never been to a Ross Petty panto. Right. Let's talk about that. Yeah. And uh, I know you were doing it um, in 2021. And then did you guys have to pivot to be a completely virtual show? And I'm 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 curious, like, yeah. how, because it feels to me that a panto 95% pantomime, of, sorry, <laughs> short forms again, pantomime. That so much of the fun, especially when there's kids in the audience, is that interaction with the audience of them going, he's right behind you. And and how does that translate <laughs> when it's a virtual show? So it was the first of its kind. I was really excited to kind of blend my two worlds that I was in together. What we did was I played Alice and I uh, used a looking glass and the looking glass then was the way we broke the fourth wall. So all of the interactions, mm. I had to pretend like the kids were there as we were filming. So I, I, I was just mm. imagining kids yelling at me and we used the looking glass and the view of it was that the camera, 
um, camera one would be in like a ring light to kind of give that glowing looking glass look. And that's when I would break the fourth wall, which we usually, like you said, would have been done in the theater uh, during these moments. So we 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 broke the fourth wall quite a bit in the virtual version. And then to make it more interactive for the kids, they got to choose my adventure. So we filmed a bunch of scenes with a bunch of different characters and a bunch of different endings. And it was in a 2D studio. So it was all really cool um, special effects. And the whole thing was green screened. And uh, we got to dive them into different worlds and different places in Wonderland. And they got to choose on the bottom of their screen. I would talk to them and say, you get to choose where I go. Where should I go? Should I meet the Mad Hatter? Should I meet the, like, how do I find the chess visor cat? We called it the chess visor cat walls. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, <laughs> we made a lot of <laughs> COVID jokes. Chess, it was <laughs> chess visor cat. <laughs> yeah. And um, so they got to choose a bunch of different options and they get to go back and have a totally different story if because they they bought the whole experience right yeah so we tried to make that as fun as possible that must them. have been so great for parents too to be like watch this yeah. and now yeah. i still have to finish vacuuming right. watch the alternate ending right. <laughs> absolutely yeah. mommy's gonna choose her own adventure in the liquor cabinet <laughs> yeah yeah oh that's amazing that's 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 one of those um things i suppose where if you know, the unfortunate side of COVID hadn't happened, you you wouldn't have had that experience of creating a new type of uh, of an experience for kids. Yeah. And I'm wondering what happens from here. I'm all about embracing, you know, everything we're learning from technology. Yeah. I know there's different sides to that, but when it comes to art and if it enhances the art and gives people an experience they've never had before, I'm all for it. So I'm wondering what what happens now in terms of theater and mm -hmm. and shows like this and i think it just adds to the experience because i don't think it has to be theater now goes to camera or tv i think now tv and film work can come into the theater in a live experience somehow too which leads nicely to the next question of of what is next on the agenda for you kimmy other than becoming a potential superhero or hopefully doing a second <laughs> martial season. arts Superhero, yes. Yeah. Or, or Aunt Carol becomes uh, her own superhero. Uh, but what's, oh what's next God. on the agenda for you? Next on the agenda, I'm still obviously doing the animation stuff. And uh, I have a couple of a couple days on set coming up. So that's fun and on new shows that are happening. But mostly, yeah, I'm going to uh, focus on the uh, martial arts and stunts training Amazing. with my awesome, awesome mentor, Anita Natoli, who a lot of people... I'm sure listening will know, but she's kind of taking me under her wing and I'm really excited to train with her and That's live great. out my superhero action movie dreams. And then <laughs> are you allowed to share? Like there's another show you, that you got coming out soon, right? right another sure. show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Guys, huge. Take note on oh. NBC <laughs> is coming out very soon. The trailer dropped yesterday. I just watched it. Yeah. And yeah. Wow. I'll say it. I, just, I think I saw you in it. Yeah, and I play the like Grammy Award winning celebrity judge, like the Paul Abdul. So she's a super. <laughs> she, I, I just pop in, and I just get to judge these kids and like be in. You these get to awesome play another Vietnamese icon, Paula Abdul. Paula Abdul, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The pride of Vietnam. 
Yeah, it is amazing. Yeah, and the show. Oh my gosh, these kids are so talented. But uh, yeah, I get to uh, be in like a different outrageous outfit every single episode and just watch them be stars. And it's it's gonna be an incredible show. I'm really excited for that. No, NBC. 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 Oh, okay. NBC, an American network success for another Canadian star. You know, I think you two might have too much work if you had to be reminded. By Andrew, that you have a show coming out on NBC. Well, Your slate might be a little full, no, Kimmy. No. Oh my God. I thought you guys meant like, what am I doing next? I totally <laughs> forgot about stuff that's coming out. Oh my God. But goodness. then, Andrew, Hilarious. you've got another, you are on another Amazon show as well, yeah, that's an right Amazon too. original Canadian show called Last One Laughing. Tell us a little bit about that before we go. It's a format from, from Japan that's been that's been done around the world. And it's really simple. 10 of the best comedians uh, in a country are put into a house. And if you laugh, you're eliminated. The mm. last one standing wins a hundred thousand dollars for their charity. For a charity. And I will right. say the cast is Tom Green, K. Trevor Wilson, Caroline Ray, Colin Mockery, May Martin, uh, Brandon Ash Muhammad, John Lejoie. Like I'm blown away Web by Giovanni. this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, 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 it's a, a Dave Foley. It's, yep. it's an embarrassment of riches. This country has to offer. And I will say, I, 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 I like when, when certain people walked in the house, I was like, Whoa, <laughs> this got real. Like I yeah. thought it was going to be me and some of my buddies. Like, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was going to be like, I was like trying to do, like, I, I thought it would be a lot of comedians in in the industry, but they like, they, they, they did a big net. And so it's pretty wild. And the, the, the show is fantastic. It's so much fun. But what I love going back, when they approached me, I was a bit unsure. And then I said, oh, it's for charity. Oh, I got to do this. I, you know, like it's like it's like bringing bringing what I can do in, in the world of comedy and, and fighting for charity. Though, with that said, there's some pretty heavy hitters in there. So we'll see. I, I buddy, I wish you the best. I don't want to give anything away, but you're you're a laugher, man. You're a laugher. <laughs> you like laughing. So uh, I, you know, I think. I suggest you just cut the check for the charity yourself because I, I, <laughs> I, I love everything about this, but man, you just love to laugh and there's nothing wrong with that, buddy. There's nothing wrong with loving what you do and laughing while you're doing it. So yeah. if I have a suggestion, I don't know when you two have a chance to do a crossover again, but I've, the ideas have been churning. Uh, Denzel just did really well with the Macbeth project. I say you guys do the first all Vietnamese production of Macbeth Here's the twist. If you need it in any extra twist, it's all martial arts. It's Macbeth as a martial arts expert, uh, all Vietnamese cast. Lady Macbeth. We're turning it on its head. Uh, produced by world's favorite Vietnamese woman, Paula Abdul. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much, Andrew, for taking the time to talk to us. Kimmy, what a pleasure it was to meet you. Uh, all the best of all the successes moving forward. And I really... I I see why why the things are happening for you guys. You are so positive about the whole experience. You've got the equation together. You've got the talent with the outlook and the positivity. Uh, and in Kimmy's case, three brothers that know martial arts. So you've really <laughs> uh, covered all the bases, I think. Thank you so much. No, thank you. And thank you, thank you to Andrew, us. honestly. Andrew, I owe you everything, honestly. Oh. I, I I didn't I don't think you knew this till now, but I have a black belt in Taekwondo. So even <laughs> your TV that. brother knows martial arts. Oh, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh like my god! Really gosh. hitting that Asian stereotype. I know. Of what are we no. doing, guys? No, what actually, are we doing? I need to get. I need to get you and all my bros in a room together. Like this is insane. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want. I don't want to push these stereotypes. Oh, the Asians with their martial arts. What's next? The Irish guy drinks a lot. Yes, that's Listen, we're all also. good at what we're good at. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Kimmy. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you all for. Thank you both for coming. It's been such a great time chatting with Thank you. Thank you for having so us. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you like the show, please subscribe or follow us for free wherever you get your podcasts. The Canadian Star System is produced by Diana Francis and Steve Patterson in association with the Apostrophe Podcast Network. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit our website at canadianstarsystem.ca where you can find links to their work and their socials. Speaking of socials, you can follow at CanadianStarPod and at ApostrophePod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our editor and sound technician is Donovan Deschner of Fracture Ephemer Productions. Music by Mark Camilleri of Imagine Sound Studios. Special thanks to Terry O'Reilly, Debbie O'Reilly, Callie O'Reilly, and Nancy Patterson, who is an honorary O'Reilly. And since you're doing such a good job of listening to the credits, there's a bonus clip for you after Steve sings it out. So give it up to these good nerds Because our self-promotion sucks And if they all went away You sure would miss them The Canadian Star System Is Simu as tough as he appears in real life or could you take him in a fight if you had to? I could take him in a fight because I have a low center of gravity. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here. God, I hope he's listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.